I wanted to speak to you a minute about just a few minutes from now. Okay, a little longer than just a few minutes. We're going to write some uh, letters to the Lord. And in doing that, what we do, uh, because we'll go and say it again, but we'll pass out some pieces of paper and something to write with, a pen or pencil or something. And you address it and you say, Dear Jesus. And then there's an envelope. On the envelope, you put your address, your name and address, because we don't know how to actually send them to heaven at this point. So here we got one. Lighten up, everybody. So um, we're going to, uh, then, then in that you can put your gratitude and then really just begin to envision about the first of the year or for what you want the Lord to work in your life and to articulate that. Does that make sense? So we'll get to that again. The message title today is, can I turn this down just a little bit? Is Heeding the Warning. And now I had us watch that video because I want us to go over, uh, I'm going to share that story again that was just on the video up there but how many of you are good at heeding a warning see no hands much how many are actually here today <laughs> um, Matthew 2 is about a warfare waged against the new life of God that's coming in Christ to save us and uh, so it, it declares in, in Matthew, just kind of quick in your ears here, it says, now after Jesus was born, everybody said, after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem of Judea, it says the days of Herod. Here's what happens. I'm just going to summarize. These, you know, wise men came and they said, where is he? Where is he? And they go to um, this, the king or to Herod and they said, where is he? He's born the king of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose. And we've come to worship him. And Herod the king said, was, you know, basically heard this and it troubled him in all of Judea, uh, Jerusalem with him. And so they assembled the chief priests, the scribes of the people, and they inquired of them where Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea. So it's written, you know, you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, I'm by no, uh, no means the least of the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained what time the star appeared. And they sent them to Jerusalem saying, go search for the, diligently for the child when you found him. Bring word to me and I too can come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went their way. And behold, the star that had, they'd seen when it rose went before them and until it came to rest at the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, the, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening the treasures, they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream, not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. Then the, Now they had departed, and behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. And remain there till I tell you, and Herod is about, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill that the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of the Egypt I called my son. And then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all the region who were two years old and under, according to the time that had ascertained from the wise men. And then it was fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. And then Herod died. Behold, an angel of the Lord answered in a dream 
to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, and he took the child and the mother, and went to the land of Israel. And when they heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of Father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So I want to summarize. After Jesus was born, all this warning business is because something occurred after Jesus was born. Next slide. And being warned in a dream, do not return to Herod. They departed to their country by another way. Everybody say warned in a dream. An angel, next slide, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I come. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So here's an angel showing up in a dream. And he rose and took the child, the next slide, and, and his mother by night. So he rose up right then, had the dream, got out of bed, took off, went to Egypt, remained there till the death of Herod. Then an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream. Here's another one. To Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And of course, there's another warning in a dream. It says, uh, When he went, he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Jews. Dia, in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid. It says, Being warned in a dream. Be warned in a dream. He withdrew to the district. Now, notice, uh, what I want you to notice about this story is not so much the dreams. What I want you to notice, everybody say this the warnings. What are warnings for? Well, warnings are all about protecting the life of Jesus. So what would happen if the warnings were not heeded? Could you imagine? The life of Jesus would have been lost. What if the wise men said, ah, it's just uh, I think I had too much uh, hummus last night. And uh, I think I'll just go back and we'll tell him. No. What, what if Joseph said, ah, what the? And did not heed the warning. What would happen if you didn't heed the warning? We have the next slide. We have the life of Jesus in us. Everybody say, we have the life of Jesus in us. Hello, we have the life. Are you stewarding the life of Jesus Christ in you? When you received the Lord, did his life enter you? Did, did you have something happen, an awakening in your heart, and you have come to know that Jesus lives in your life via the Holy Spirit? The Word of God is made alive in you, and you are his. You have the life of him. There's a life in Christ. There's a new and eternal life that's come and imparted into you. How many of you are stewarding that life? God gives us warnings to protect that life within us. Hello? He's still giving warnings. Sometimes they come in dreams, but he gives us warnings. Colossians 1.28 says this, In him we proclaim. This is Paul talking about preachers. This is a preacher's verse. When preachers read and they learn about the, this is what preachers need to learn. They proclaim Christ. I'm up here. I preach Christ to you. I want you to have your heart knitted to Jesus. I want you to have the depth of your soul be impacted and pounded in a deep way by the love of Father God. I want you to be a partner with the Holy Spirit and be sensitized to when the Lord wants to say things to you and cause you to be guided and, and not be dull and not be, not be uh, just dull of hearing and, 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 and just insensitive. I want you to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. 
I want you to grow because there's things that will happen in your life and you don't need to go down paths that will bring destruction into your life. You need to learn how to heed the warnings, the checks in the spirit. I remember, I've told you this before, but I remember talking with a guy who used to be in our congregation. He was in a lawsuit. I said, okay, well, 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 how in the world did we get this far? So I said, let's back up. Tell me the story. And then he got to this part in the story and he said, I went, oh, right there, right there, right there. Did the Holy Spirit tell you not to do that? He said, yes, but I did it anyway. That's why you're in the lawsuit. There was a warning. There was a warning. God gives warnings to us. You don't have to be a, a thrice-struck ninny hammer. Everybody say, warning everyone. Warning everyone. Warning. There's warnings. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You know, the Lord sees what you don't see. He knows what you don't know. He understands what's happening around you that you do not know. And he's there to guide you and stir you up and even warn you so that you're safe in his care. I heard one hallelujah somewhere. But because of our fallen condition, come on. Hello? Is anybody still with me? Do you realize you do have a fallen condition? Because of that, you're blind and... and, uh, to his ways until you've walked with him for a season. How many of you remember being a brand new baby Christian and don't know nothing? And so here's what you've learned after walking with the Lord for years. First of all, everybody in here has a testimony of going your own way and ending up in turmoil. Some of us say, yeah, that's about a five-year detour right there, you know. And I believe that each of us have a testimony in trusting in him and his leading and having his peace and seeing our situation turn out for our good. How many of you have waited upon the Lord received his direction. So here's the thing. Jesus came to give us his abundant life, right? And he calls us to embrace life in Christ. And in giving us his abundant life, he has, everybody say, conquered death. He has conquered death. And therefore, he calls us to these pathways that lead us out of death into life. How are you there? This is what he does. So there are some mental patterns that each of us fall prey to. There's emotional needs in our life and even hurts that can fool us into opening doors that lead us to further damage. Are you there? So Jesus gave us a warning. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Jesus warns us, let's say, read this aloud with me. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Jesus is warning us, saying, anybody can go the easy way, give to their flesh, go meet their needs illegitimately, but if you want to do it my way, there's a narrow way. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. This is Jesus warning you. I'm warning you. There's a way. Let's go ahead. Solomon gave this uh, same kind of a thing. Solomon says it this way in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. How many of you followed some of that stuff? This is going really quickly. I'm happy. We're going to get into the... uh, I didn't know how long this was going to take. Now, I have a passage of Scripture. It's going to be about six slides or so. It's just one passage. I almost feel like, you know, before we get there, I almost feel like uh, having another prayer and just uh, focusing our hearts. See, the Bible is the book that leads to life and also fills us with truth of how life works. Isn't that right? How many of you, uh, one of the things you write down and which we need to, listen, let me go ahead and say this. During Christmas time, it's a time of feasting, typically. Feasts are not bad. 
But then when we hit to the first of the year, it's a time of personal disciplines that are revisited. So our messages have to do with here like 21 days of prayer focus. Are you there? Reading the Word of God. Having time. Foundations. One of the messages I really want to deal with is just very, very simply how powerful your need and my need is for the presence of God. The Lord visited me when I was younger and imparted some things to me that had to do with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Then he placed me under a man of God that taught me. And there are certain things that I embrace deeply that have to do with the Spirit of God moving in our midst. If I didn't embrace that, it wouldn't happen. Are you there? How many of you appreciate the fact that we give a lot of credence to worship so that the Holy Spirit can flow and minister? How many of you have been to churches that none of that occurs? How many of you know that that's extremely necessary for your heart to be stewarded into the grace of God? That unless God is going to do something, nothing is going to happen. How many of you have been in places where it's all up to you and you walk out with it's more about what you do instead of what God has done for you? And that makes a rigid person. It makes a person who feels God is small and my efforts are the big thing. No, 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 no. Your efforts are the small thing. God is the big thing. And when you find out what he has done for you and he takes his love and he puts it in your heart, you have an ease and a freedom to begin to walk with him that you didn't have before. It's so important not to have somebody always standing up here telling you, you need to try harder preaching the sin of the week club. People become what they hear in this from a pulpit. And I want you to grow into the fullness of his grace. I want you to understand the depths of his mercy for your soul. But I also want you to know that he's a holy God and he will cause you to walk in a way that you couldn't walk in yourself. But he will empower you to do what you could never do. Isn't that wonderful who he is? This is who we're talking about. So there's a verse. I've been meditating on it. I was drawn to it. I have broken down all the words that I've underlined in it. I've been chewing on it. I'm not going to carry you through a Bible study right now. But I want us to look at a warning. Would you look at a warning with me? This is Paul. After he's exhorted in Ephesians chapter 4, in the beginning of that, it talks about how we become, don't be tossed to and fro and all that stuff like children. You know, we want to grow up into the image of Christ. And then he says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. What a word. How many of you were going nowhere fast before you met Jesus? And a lot of the upside down crazy things in the world are because of the futility of a life. Now, by the way, I believe with all my heart, I do believe with all my heart, that the Lord is about to come on the scene in major ways. And people who have never, never even considered trusting him and don't even believe he exists are going to have to face a reality that he's very real and that he loves them and gave himself for them. I believe that we're on the verge of something very dynamic and powerful. But many have, he says, do not walk. This is a warning. You must no longer walk. Everybody say, you must no longer. Must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. Now look at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding. There's no light there. They're in the dark. Look at this. They're alienated. Everybody say alienated. 
alienated from the life of God because of what? The ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. There's a way that you get this way. Verse 19, they have become callous. Everybody say callous. Callous, and they've given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. There's a way you become callous and hard and unsensitive, and it's the way is opening to the door to the traffic of the world and all the things that are greedy of sensuality and impurity in the world. That will cause you to have no sensitivity. It creates a callousness. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Everybody say hallelujah. The Lord didn't drop you off at devil daycare and say, fend for yourself. He said, no, you didn't learn Christ that way. You didn't learn looking out the balcony like King David. You didn't learn that that way. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now look at this. This is a warning. How many of you feel warned so far? Put off the old self. Put off your old self. Wow. Put off. Put off. Put off which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt. How many of you are familiar and acquainted with your old life? Hello. Are there deceitful desires involved? Am I the only one? Am I the only sinner Jesus has saved in the room? I love this. And be renewed. I'm telling you, the renewed part, be renewed in the spirit. He reminds us such a blessed truth. By the way, the presence of God, when you, when you sit down and read the Word of God, how many of you have had times just sitting down in the Word of God and you feel like, there's more stuff that I have to do, there's more stuff that I have to do. You're, read, you're not reading it with the author in mind. With, you're not sitting down reading it with the author. Here's what the author does. Hey, look what I've done for you. 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 You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I've done this in you. I can do this in you. I've, look, look, you're not the first basket case that showed up in my life. You're not the first broken soul that I've ever dealt with. You're not the first person who's ever had this particular problem. Do you realize how many of my children have that particular problem? You're not anything new when it comes to God restoring a soul. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Say, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. No, no, there's none righteous, no, not one. And if you think you're the one, you're deceived because there's none righteous, no, not one. And once you get through to that and you break it down to realizing I'm lost without the one who found me. I'm broken without the one who restores me. I'm sinful without the one who forgives me. I need him more than more. Just get used to it. And when you put on, he says, verse 24, put on the new self created in the likeness after the likeness of God. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Simply says this. True righteousness is this. I love the word righteousness. It gets people confused because people think that righteousness is about you being right. Righteousness is the word that God says, I have made you right with me because you put your faith in Jesus. I'm making you right with me because you believe in Jesus. Therefore, I'm putting you in right relationship with me because you put your faith in Jesus. Because you put your faith in Jesus, I put you now. That's called righteousness. Because you put your faith in me, I make you right in my eyes. You're righteous in my eyes. I've taken your sinful record, I put it on Jesus. I've taken his righteous record, I put it on you. Hallelujah. And holiness. Holiness is just God's absolute perfection. 
perfection, perfection in every way. He says, I'm going to cause things in your life. When he spoke that to me that about a month ago on that Thursday night, he said, worship me in the beauty of my holiness. I'm absolute perfection. And then he said to me, do you know that I don't think about you the way you think about you? I think about you from a higher level. I think about you of all the beauty of what you'll develop into over eternity. And let's start now because it's a great, you're a great person that I have planned. And you're not all trapped in the world. You're not trapped in your flesh. You're not trapped in the... Let's start now. Somebody say hallelujah. This is a good message. So what happens? Okay, let's look at the question here. What happens when you haven't heeded a warning and have invested yourself in something that is killing off the life of Jesus within you? What do you do when you've gone down that way and you're struggling, and you're, uh, not ha- it's not happening right because your investment has not been in your pursuit of Jesus. It's been in the pursuit of the flesh. What do you do? What's God going to do? How do you respond to this? I have good news. Psalm 6820 says, oh, just declare this with me. Our God is a God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. Somebody say, praise the Lord. The Lord will deliver you from death. Whatever pathway you walk down that's brought death into your life, he says, come on to me, because I'm the God that produces deliverances from death. Anybody ever had that happen? I'm telling you, the way the the hell works is that you go down this, it's almost like this velvet path of, man, this makes my flesh feel real good. And then it's time to turn around, and you turn around to come out in the, the trap closes and the claws of that way, and the demons begin howling, and you're stuck, and you're like, what happened to me? But the Lord says, I will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. I'll deliver for you from things that you've done to yourself. Now, here's how it works. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He's almost done. Hallelujah. Christ offers us a return policy. <laughs> How many of you ended up with a gift you didn't want and they left the receipt and you can take the receipt back to the store and you can get something else? Guess what? Jesus has a return policy. It works like this. You return to Him and give Him everything that does not result in bringing Him glory through your life. If your life, whatever it is, is not bringing Him glory, you can take that and get it and return it. This means every sin, every failure, every hurt, every bad decision, every grief, every loss that's been given to you. You can kneel before Him until the burden is fully given to Him. Hallelujah. And then He makes a trade. And he gives you the peace that was lost. And he fills you with the love and reassurance that you lost along the way. And you return to him and he returns all of himself to you. So here's the thing. You bring your receipt. The Bible has a verse about the receipt. The Bible has a verse about the receipt. It's this. I love this. Colossians 2.14. Most amazing verse. I love this verse. It says it in different ways in the Bible. There are different translations. This one says, by canceling the record of debt, the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. In other words, when you've messed up, there's, a, there's written down somewhere. And that's sad. Sometimes it's called the handwritings of requirements. That's another 
term, the handwritings of requirements that are against us. And Jesus has taken that paperwork that the devil wants to shake in your face. See what you did? This is the devil. He accuses you with it. He used to give me that. I'm going to take that receipt and I'm going to go to Jesus' return policy. Jesus, I got some stuff here I need to return. I did some things and they're not right. And hell's been beating me up over it, but I got my receipt. I got a list of things I invested in and they've been eating me alive. He says, give it here. I'm going to nail it to the cross. I'm going to break its power of your life. I'm going to liberate you from the death that you walked into. You wouldn't heed the warning then. Will you heed the warning now? How many of you had to get in trouble before you found out pain will drive you back to Jesus? How many of you? God has a return policy. You know where the shame comes from? The shame is a tactic of hell to put you down in such a way to think that your sin is either too great for him to deal with or if anybody else found out about it I'd be in a heck of a lot of trouble isn't that right guess what happens to all of the receipts all the shame nailed to the cross all the weight of burden nailed to the cross all of it all of it and I believe the Lord wants to let's just lift our heads we've been worshiping him but I feel like the Lord just wants to sweep in with a fresh work of redemptive power praise you Lord praise you Jesus let's praise him praise you Lord praise you Jesus thank you Lord that somebody needs to tell the Lord said Lord help me help me come into the light with the things that have been burdening my soul Help me live in the light. Heed your warning and come out of the trap that I opened to. Help me, Lord. Let's praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise him. So he says, I am the God who delivers from death. I'm the one who gives hope. I'm the one that pours love and life back into you. In Jesus' name, I do this for you. It's a let the Lord awaken inside of you a willingness I'm not any different. I just know this. I know from my own experiences that there's been vulnerabilities in my life that I need to return to the Lord. How many of you have vulnerabilities and you say, I need to come to the Lord with this? And the Lord says, I'm exactly where you need to be. I will give you a capacity, a way to look at it, a way to walk with me, where you are no longer breeding death in your life, but in Christ, you're reigning now in life. You're overcomer now. You're reigning in life and overcoming. This is who Jesus is in our life. Now, just repeat after me. Father God, in my process of maturing in you, it is my desire that you work deeply in my heart I want to walk out of death traps and into abundant life 
in Jesus Christ. It is my hope now as I submit to you that I receive the Holy Spirit's empowerment to walk with you where I've never been able to walk before. Give me the grace to do this now. In Jesus' name. And say this, Father God, I thank you for the blood of Jesus and I receive it, the power of your blood to wash my soul clean from every, every wicked thing that would hinder me to live fully in your presence. Come and wash over me now in Jesus' name. Let's lift our hearts to him. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah.